This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on April 13th, 2023. Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for the Thursday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. It's summer travel season, and that means that airlines are doing all they can to make sure their fleets are as full as possible to handle the capacity. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, though, the explosion of artificial intelligence is prompting huge initial interest and major financial investment, but it's a trend that usually runs its course. We're joined by Mark Holbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington, D.C. And Mark, anytime there's a new technology, this is just sort of how it goes, where we see a lot of companies trying to get in on the action, but then it usually dwindles down to one or two giants. So, what's going to determine who those giants are when it comes to AI? Well, <laughs> I wish I knew. I mean, I think you're absolutely right in saying that we've been down this road before. It turns out that uh, you can always tell when there's too much hype uh, in in favor of a particular theme or pattern on Wall Street when uh, things like people are buying just because of the name rather than because of any of the fundamentals. And we saw this in the Internet boom in the late 1990s, around 2000, for example. Companies would change their name to put .com in the name, and their stock would skyrocket. Nothing had happened to their underlying business model, but just putting .com in their name was, of course, a key to a short-term success. And we're starting to see evidence of that with regard to AI. There have been a number of exchange-traded funds, for example, that have changed their name to include AI and the stocks that are owned by that ETF go up uh, markedly and you know in a very significant way and so we know that there there's too much hype that isn't to say that AI doesn't have potential but we just know that it's being overblown. And here's the other thing about artificial intelligence is is this type of technology really has only been around for, what, six to eight months, and already it's gone through several evolutions. So it's also going to be a matter of not only can you introduce this software as a business, but can you keep up with how it's being used and how that changes so quickly? Well, that's right. And indeed, so far, we haven't had any evidence that uh, on average, AI is able to do any better in the stock market than anywhere else. And if uh, if it can't do as well there, why should we expect it to do better in other parts of the business uh, in, in the in, in the business environment as well? I went back and looked. I, I've been getting emails every month for at least those six to eight months you mentioned, probably longer where every month they say, here are the stocks that will outperform the market over the next uh, next six to 12 months. And when I went back and looked at the track record, it turns out that it was mildly perhaps okay. I mean, nothing to write home about. I think right, it was about 60% of the stocks did beat the market and 40% didn't. That's not all that different than uh, a lot of track records on Wall Street. So I think 
it's just more evidence of the fact that uh, there's too much hype and not enough reality. Well, and hopefully businesses can sort of take this with a grain of salt and not pour too much into this financially, because for the majority of them, there's there's not going to be a significant return in the long run. I think that's right. And indeed, if for I mean, this is the other counter argument along the lines of what I was saying earlier. Let's say that AI was able to beat the stock market. There are so many players out there trying to get involved in the AI game that they would all be trying to pursue the same strategies. And pretty soon the stocks that they would buy would stop working. This is a one of the key factors of how, why the stock market is so difficult to beat is that success breeds the its own destruction because everyone will try to do the same thing. And so I don't think uh, we, we could expect AI to do that well in the stock market or basically anywhere in the business world where competition is just so intense. Thanks so much. Mark Holbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com. Coming up, the role of used airplane parts for the busy summer travel season. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. With airlines working to boost their fleets ahead of the summer travel season, they're on the lookout for used parts to help keep those older planes in service. Let's learn more from Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. And uh, Ken, I guess this makes sense. When you have a supply shortage, you'd, you'd look for what you can get. Well, there's a few big things going on here. Yes, the supply shortage. The air manufacturer, airplane manufacturers, Airbus and Boeing, are still a little bit delayed. They have a supply chain shortage. So the airlines are in need of planes, and they need to keep them flying. So what do they do? They go out and get more spare parts. Some of them from airplanes that are being just retired. Others from that have been uh, down, uh, put down over because of the pandemic or other things. You know, they're going out to the fields in Arizona or other dry climate areas to get the parts for these planes. Well, let's talk about that. It, I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking that there, there are there safety concerns. How far back are you going? If you're talking about some decommissioned aircraft, at what, at what point does that part not become viable for a, for a well, functioning first, uh, plane? Many of these parts, although they may be older, they either can be refurbished, but they have to be certified. And so you can't put a bad part into a plane. Unfortunately, in the past, that has caused accidents. And both the airlines, the FAA, and others are doing updating their checking of this. So that's not something to be overly concerned about. What should be concerning is that the air, airline industry right now, they're just short of planes, so they need to keep them flying. And what they're doing is they're taking larger aircraft, putting them into instances instead of flying the smaller planes because they get more people into the plane and they can, say, replace two or three small flights with one big flight, and this way they keep it fine. Uh, we got a big thing going because they are pushing to get a big, they expect a big travel surge this summer. So this is what's going on. But that would also impact the traveler, I'm thinking. If you're having larger planes, I understand more people, but that also would mean less frequent flights. So maybe the traveler will have less options come summer season. Uh, well, they're going to have less options this summer season, not only because of that, but because, for example, there is a shortage of pilots. There is a shortage of air traffic controllers in the New York area, which is a very large, major hub for all the airlines. They're cutting back on slots. 
So this means that their service going into them, or the airlines are saying, the marketing department, if you will, is saying, well, let's get everyone to fly because we expect this big surge. The operations people are saying, hey, wait a minute, we may not be able to do this. So the best thing to do is, yes, there are options, but for the traveling public, which is what we're concerned, one, don't be concerned about the parts. They are certified and should be all right. Major airlines are pretty safe. Second, make sure when you fly coming upcoming this summer, you have options so you know what you can do. Thanks so much for the advice and insight. Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting here in Chicago. Up next, the latest move in the streaming wars involves a new combination of services. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Warner Brothers Discovery has unveiled its new blended streaming service of HBO Max and Discovery Plus, simply called Max. Let's learn more about it from Tom Layson, a media analyst in Seattle, Washington. He's on Twitter at Tom Layson. And Tom, uh, help us understand uh, we're, we're dropping the HBO. It's just Max, but it is offering a lot of streaming options. Yeah, it really is. Debuts May 23rd for 10, 16, or 20 bucks a month. Um, This was really the expected result of the Warner Discovery merger last year. They had to make a competitive service and they had to make it sticky with a broad offering of programs from Discovery's reality content and HBO's premium, more adult-oriented content. One thing I want to mention, though, Rachel, is I think that this Max language really is what's most interesting to me. Mm -hmm. That's what I think, too. We were talking about I think HBO is such an iconic name. Yeah. Yeah. And and. I think it limited them and they felt like, you know, I think one of the quotes was that you don't want to drop your kids off at HBO. So they really <laughs> like to, to put some more um, polls under this tent with TLC, Food Network, Cartoon Network, HGTV. And what I was going to mention to you earlier, I really see this as another step along the way where we've had this merging of media companies, then an explosion of streaming services, now a consolidation from within streamers within their own properties. But I think we're going to continue to see this aggregation between streaming services eventually due to issues with profitability and eventually a greater simplification and greater choice for consumers with full-on a la carte services, I think, because what we're doing is not sustainable. It's too complicated. Right. I I agree. But I also think that this is still all within the movement of pulling viewers away from traditional TV. Absolutely. And that was the big push with Warner and Discovery, who were very deeply embedded in the television industry, um, and they needed to get a streaming. You've got to do a streaming service to get competitive. But at what point are there too many? How much is the American consumer going to pay for? How much friction can can be sustainable in a system where you can't remember what streaming service the show is on, what your password is, uh, what you watched last time, what season are you on? I mean, it is too much, and I just don't think it's sustainable. Thanks so much. Tom Layson, media analyst based in Seattle. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, the latest use of robots. Well, it includes applications in firefighting as well as surgery. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. There's now a person of interest in the latest case of leaked classified government documents. New numbers on applications for jobless assistance are out today. In Technology Thursday, robots playing an increasingly important role in security as well as in surgery and manufacturing. And members of Gen Z, along with millennials, are rewriting the traditional rules on couples and money. WBBM Business, it's a rally this afternoon. The Dow up 269 points, NASDAQ up 197, the S&P 500 up 40 points. AccuWeather says sunshine today with a high near 82. A mild evening, partly cloudy and a low 55, then more sunshine tomorrow. Breezy with a high right around 80 degrees. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues as the FBI wants to question a member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard. It's in connection with the disclosure of classified military documents. Multiple reports identify him as 21-year-old Jack Tessera. The leak is believed to involve papers linked to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. The Justice Department declining to comment on this latest development. Well, the latest numbers show more Americans are seeking jobless aid. But the number is still relatively low. Applications for unemployment for the week ending April 8th rose by 11,000 to 239,000 from the previous week, says the Labor Department. That is the most in more than a year. The job market seems to be finally showing some signs of softening, more than a year after the Fed began its aggressive campaign to cool inflation by raising its benchmark borrowing rate nine times in about a year. The Fed now predicting that the unemployment rate will rise to 4.5% by year's end. That is a number that's historically associated with recession. I'm Rita Foley. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Markets are higher. We're joined this afternoon by Ken Crawford, Portfolio Manager at Argent Capital, based in Clayton, Missouri. And uh, Ken, I'm guessing that a lot of the positivity we're seeing on Wall Street is in reaction uh, not only to the Consumer Price Index, but the Producer Prices Index. Uh, Some good news, yes, but are the markets getting ahead of themselves here? Well, Rachel, we'll have to see. I mean, I I agree with you. I think the PPI number was a positive surprise, so inflation less than expected. And then the claims number that you just alluded to in your story before, again, better, so perhaps showing, uh, showing some slowing. I think we'll get a lot more data tomorrow when J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, PNC, and Wells Fargo all, all report, because obviously... You know, the market has been spooked, as have consumers with banks uh, getting into trouble. So a little bit of data from those four very large banks will be helpful as well. And it's all of this data that's going to weigh on the Fed's next decision. I think there's still some people holding out hope that we won't see another interest rate hikes. What camp are you in there? Well, I'm in the watch the consensus camp, which says, another 25 basis points or a quarter of 1%. Um, I think if it were different either way, the markets would react. Uh, And certainly what investors will focus on is what uh, Chairman Powell will say after the decision is made as a uh, look into what may happen going forward. But consensus is 25 basis points and then a pause. I think the market would take that in stride if that's what uh, indeed came from the Fed. 
If we're looking at what's moving the markets today, it's sort of been a big day for big tech. I'm looking at Amazon, Google, Facebook parent company Meta, all up more than 2% today. Uh, Is this a sector that people should be paying attention to? Well, if you think interest rates are going to come down again with the better claims data and the PPI, then uh, investors naturally go to growth stocks where valuations react more strongly to lower uh, interest rates. So not not a real surprise that the NASDAQ and the stocks you mentioned leading the market today. What's your advice for the individual investors? Well, I think what you should do is, you know, take a, a cold look in the mirror and, and ask yourself what kind of risk tolerance you have and then invest accordingly. So not necessarily jump on the market because it's Thursday or flee from the market because, you know, it was last week or whatever, but have a very stable investment process that makes sense to you at the moment and then continue with that. And obviously, uh, you know, yes, the markets are in positive territory today, but there's still sort of this looming fear of recession. So would would this be a good time to consider something like dividend stocks, where at least that way you know you're making some money? I think dividend stocks and, I mean, the acronym that is bandied about today is TARA. Uh, there are reasonable alternatives. Um, before it was TINA, there are no alternatives So all of a sudden, if you want to buy a money market fund or a treasury bill or bond, you get real interest on that. So I think some kind of yieldy instrument makes a lot of sense in this market. And can any other areas of the market that you're seeing some value right now? Well, it's a little bit sketchy, but certainly the financials and especially the banks. Um, Again, we'll get a lot more data come tomorrow with the the large four banks that I referenced reporting. Obviously, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature, and Silvergate spooked the market. Um, But if there was some sense of stability coming out of the banks and their earnings, the valuations certainly have been depressed coming into this quarter's earnings season. Ken Crawford, Portfolio Manager at Argent Capital. Up next in Technology Thursday, we'll take a look at the latest application for robots. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday, and the role of robots in many aspects of life is ever-evolving. So let's talk about some of the latest applications with Paul Hawkman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, it seems like robots are doing more and more and more. So let's talk about what are the latest applications? Sure. Well, first, let's define robot. Almost everybody thinks they know, and that's fine. But basically, the idea is something that's able to replicate certain human movements and functions automatically. That's the idea. Um, But those certain functions, a lot of people think of robots as big. I think one of the most notable versions is, and it's happening right now, Cornell University is pioneering the use of them, but they are injectable nanobots. In other words, robots that actually can crawl around inside a human body after being injected through a regular syringe. They're about 70 microns wide, about the width of a human hair. And the thing that's magical and exciting about this particular robot, for example, first of all, it can be injected. Second of all, it can carry medication. So theoretically, the medication can be delivered via robot 
directly to an injury site, to a disease site, and so forth, rather than injecting the entire body, this robot can be directed. So that's an example. So those are tiny versions. I mean, that sounds big ones too. That sounds like something straight out of a sci-fi movie. But I do sort of understand the application because I think even just thinking about something like like chemotherapy, right? It's a medication where you're you're blasting the whole body to get out the cancerous cells. But again, now you can potentially just pinpoint that one area because the medication is going to get delivered exactly where it needs to go. Well, you've identified exactly what uh, Cornell's working on, which is it's precisely that cancer mitigation, all kinds of other things that really, if you if, as you just said, if you bathe the body in poisons, yes, will it kill the cancer? Sure. But a lot of us who've been exposed to this, of course, understand uh, either, you know, by reading about it or unfortunately experiencing it, it also makes the body sick. Mm-hmm. And the idea of a robot delivering medication right to that disease point is pretty exciting. Um, the larger versions of robots <clears throat> pardon me, are also pretty exciting. There's a company called Zimmer Biomet. Zimmer Biomet makes uh, knees, hips, and uh, shoulder replacements. They have a robot called Rosa, which is about the size of an operating room, a little smaller, but it basically helps a surgeon whose uh, success rate is determined by has the knee joint, the replacement knee, been put in at exactly the right angle because the outcome, in other words, does the person feel comfortable walking around later with a new joint uh, in their knee or in their, in their hip? Are they comfortable? Answer is mostly dependent, not all, but on the angle uh, that the joint was inserted. And that robot guides it to perfection. So that's another example, much larger version of robots helping us out. Right. And and both of those examples sort of rely on the idea of precision. But then there's also robots being used in in applications. I'm I'm thinking specifically security. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely right. In fact, that's that's a great example. Uh, security and specifically fire mitigation, where it is obviously going to be dangerous, <clears throat> pardon me, to send a, a, an individual human being into a burning building for obvious reasons. If just and if they don't know if somebody if the firefighters don't know if a living person or being is inside that building uh, without going in, then they are, they're going to go save that person. But they don't even know if there's a person to be saved. To your point, a robot in that situation does not have to be precise. It has to be able to navigate. Its movements have to be precise, but it doesn't have it has to navigate a very big place, a very big environment. And that is a thing that a robot's perfect for uh, with cameras, with sensors, can see if there is somebody to be saved in there before you send in the human being. I think regardless of the application. Really, what this is doing is it's it's alleviating either error, uh, safety risk, uh, and just you know just physical exertion for a human. That's absolutely right. Now, the thing that's to think about is that these robots also can be obviously very strong. One interesting example because it's mitigating those risks, as you just said. Um, there's some that are really slow. Now, this sounds interesting, but. <clears throat> There's something called a sloth bot, and so as, as is implied by the name, it's incredibly painfully slow. It collects environmental data, which cannot be collected unless it moves slowly and doesn't distract the animals uh, nearby. Mm. So uh, they, they suspend it on a wire. It goes through this jungle environment, picks up all the information that, that no human being could have picked up because the human being would have chased off all the flora and fauna. So anyway, robots are, yeah, they're definitely involved in all kinds of places, including what you just described. Thanks so much, Paul Hawkman, president of Humongous Media. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, younger couples are making some new rules when it comes to money. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
Younger couples, meaning millennials or members of Gen Z, are moving away from traditional rules when it comes to money. So let's discuss it with Bill Hardikoff, CEO of BillSaver.com, based in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, Bill, I fall into this category as a millennial. And uh, my husband and I uh, have separate accounts when it comes to our money. So how do you decide whether or not it's right to combine your finances or keep them separate? Well, it is amazing how many young people are moving towards separate accounts. Uh, Older people prefer the joint accounts, but a lot of younger people are moving towards separate accounts. There's some benefit to that. Uh, If you have a joint account, and let's just say you have, you know, a spender and a responsible person on that joint account, (laughs) Mm -hmm. the spender, one person's spending affects the other. So uh, it could help the younger people if they have uh, separate accounts to start building their credit score if they are responsible. Now, well, that's the other, and I will say, uh, being someone who has separate accounts, one of the things that is sort of annoying is that there's certain bills that come to me and my account. There's certain bills that then go to my spouse, and then we just end up using Venmo, Zelle, some sort of digital cash app to to make it even and make sure that we're contributing. Whereas if you have a joint account, you don't have to worry about that. Right. It sounds a lot more complicated to have individual accounts just for that reason that you're splitting some of the bills that come in and having to keep this mathematical calculation going. Uh, The joint account makes it a lot easier. You just pay the bill, slap a stamp on it, and you're gone. Thanks so much, Bill Hardikoff, CEO of BillSaver.com. He's based in Birmingham, Alabama. And of course, if you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com, as well as on the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.